Uh, thank you very much. Pleasure to be back in Greensboro. Uh, it's been a while, uh, as uh, the dean said. Like many parts of our country now, uh, the Piedmont Triad region um, is going to face some daunting economic challenges. Um, and the main reason, one of the main reasons, is that the recession we've just been through has been quite severe. Uh, the U.S. Ex economy, though, has been expanding uh, since the middle of last year. Uh, it looks like the middle of 2009 is where most economists are going to date the end of, of this recession. Um, and there's evidence of improvement in the triad region here as well. So as I see it, my task is to uh, survey the regional economic outlook for you um, and uh, help you uh, with your task later this morning of thinking through what's ahead for the Piedmont Triad area. Uh, because economic conditions in any region of the country depend so critically on conditions in other regions of the country, my approach is going to be to spend roughly half my time, roughly equal time on the national economic outlook and the regional economic outlook. Uh, before I begin, though, I have to mention this is standard. You'll hear this from every Federal Reserve official that my views are my own and don't necessarily reflect the views of my colleagues on the Open Market Committee. So let me start with the picture for the U.S. economy as a whole. There are a wide range of uh, indicators that um, provide evidence that the economic activity has been expanding since the middle of last year. Real GDP, for example, gross domestic product, is uh, has grown at a 3.7% annual rate over the last three quarters. And this is a bit above our, our long-run uh, average growth trend. Uh, so that's been good news. Now, it, it is true that some of uh, the increase is due to some one-time of factors that aren't likely to be um, continuing. For example, last year's fiscal stimulus measures from the federal government uh, have been providing some boost to economic activity since the second half of last year. That's when they really kicked in, and their effect is going to fade gradually um, over the next year or two. In addition, the way GDP is, is actually calculated, um, it got an additional one-time boost from the end in mid-2009 of the sharp inventory correction that's typical of recessions. Uh, going into a recession, um, sales are unexpectedly low at many firms. They, they accumulate more inventories than they intend to or than they like to, and then they sharply cut back on inventories. And um, in that period, demand is, is, met, um, is met through inventory drawdowns rather than production. Um, but since mid, the middle of last year, demand has been met out of production rather than inventory drawdowns. And that, that production is what GDP measures. So it gives you a boost to growth, but it's just a one-time thing. Um, uh, that's caused by the end of drawing down inventories. But if you look at the most recent GDP report, um, the one for the first quarter of this year, it supports the idea that we are on a sustainable uh, recovery path. So let's start by looking at consumers. Consumer spending accounts for about two-thirds of the entire economy, spending in the entire economy, and it's now clearly on uh, an upswing. During the recession, uh, that's the, the, and the recession began at the very beginning of 2008, um, and as I said, probably ended around June or July of 2009. During the recession, real consumer spending fell at a 1.2% annual rate. But in the last half of 2009, consumer spending increased at a 2.2% annual rate, and last quarter, first quarter of this year, it increased at a 3.6% uh, annual rate. 
that turnaround is likely to be durable in my view. And let me explain why. So during a severe recession, uh, consumers typically tighten up in spending. And there are a couple of reasons for this. In part, it's due to job losses and the cut in income for consumers that do lose their jobs. But it's also due in part to the weakening in the outlook for future uh, jobs. Uh, for, for, for jobs, pe people who ha households who have jobs begin to get a little concerned about whether they're going to have a job a year or two ahead. In addition, many households um, facing this uncertainty prudently defer major purchases uh, when the headlines about job loss are so alarming. But when the worst of the bad news gets behind us, um, a number of households be sort of regain their confidence that the worst is behind us. And they, they start thinking, all right, maybe I won't lose my job. Maybe we're safe. Maybe we're going to get through this. Maybe my company's going to get through this. Um, so they begin to feel as if their jobs are less in jeopardy than they had thought. And that improvement in what they expect for their income, uh, elimination of a downside risk to their, their income, you might think of it that way, um, combines with a sort of a release of pent-up demand, major purchases, big ticket items that they've deferred, uh, for example. And that leads to a pickup in consumer spending. And that's what we're seeing now. Um, now, there's always a potential for some unexpected adverse shock, I have to mention, to disturb household income prospects, and that has the potential uh, to set that process back. But e even, even with that caveat, with that risk um, in the outlook, the baseline outlook, I think, and this is a view shared by a, a wide array of economists, is that consumer spending is going to grow at reasonably healthy rates in the months ahead. So that's the consumer. This brighter outlook isn't limited to the consumer, though. Business investment in equipment and software usually displays very large swings around recessions and recoveries. And this latest experience fits that pattern very well. Uh, so this category of spending, business in investment in equipment and software, fell in an annual rate of 14.7% uh, during the recession. Uh, falls much more rapidly than con consumption. Uh, growth than consumer spending. Um, but that category bottomed out uh, during the third quarter of last year, and it's risen over the last two quarters, fourth quarter of 2009, first quarter of 2010. It's risen at an annual rate of 16% uh, over those two quarters, so a very strong comeback. Now, it still hasn't caught up to the level uh, that it attained before the recession, but uh, still uh, fairly strong growth recently. You know, and again, the reasoning is pretty clear. Prudent firms often defer capital spending in a recession, uh, and that creates a pent-up demand uh, that boosts spending early on in recoveries. And while sales have fallen in many industries, technology has continued to advance. The generation of new ideas generally doesn't really slow down much in a recession. New ideas keep coming along. They're not that expensive to generate uh, relative to the capital stock it takes to implement them. As a result, there's an array of opportunities right now to deploy new capital in ways that improve business processes and maybe consolidate in IT infrastructure uh, that has that a company's accumulated over the years. Um, so there's there there seem to be a healthy selection of such um, projects available for businesses. So I and many other analysts expect business investment in equipment and software to continue to rise this year and beyond. Now that good news on spending has had an impact on the supply side of the economy. In manufacturer manufacturing, we've seen a sizable swing in activity. Industrial production fell almost 15% during the recession, 
Um, but since June of last year, it's risen every single month, and it's, that's resulted in a cumulative increase of over 6% in manufacturing for the country as a whole. This turnaround is evident in a number of categories, consumer goods, especially autos, business equipment, uh, and raw materials. Um, and it's even the case that production of construction supplies increased last quarter. You might be surprised about that, but it's, it's true. Now, there are forward-looking indicators that also um, contribute to this brighter picture. There's an association of purchasing managers that publishes information monthly on new orders for manufactured goods. And the way they compile this number and publish it is in the form of an index that takes on a value of 50 if more respondents are, are, are reporting uh, an increase than a decrease, and below 50 if more respondents report a decrease than an increase. Um, that index fell to a record low of 22.9 in December of 2008, um, but it's been above 55 for every month since last July, and it hit a sky-high level of 65 uh, last month. So that's, that's pretty good evidence that um, a clear majority of manufacturing firms are seeing their order books ex expand, and that'll set the stage for uh, further increases in production this year. I should put all this good news in perspective, though. Um, the beginning of the recovery uh, does mark a return in growth overall economic activity, but there are always economic sectors where some weakness uh, persists for some time. For example, residential construction has stabilized over the course of the last year, uh, but it might not be a major factor contributing to growth in the near term. We had an incredible boom-bust cycle in housing. The number of new housing starts each year uh, rose from 1.4 million in, in 1995 to 2.1 million in 2005 before it fell to about a half a million, 555,000 last year. For, for just for perspective, it would take a rate of 1.1 million starts per year to accommodate population growth with an unchanging home ownership rate. So the basic fact seems to be that during the boom, we built more houses than we ended up needing, and we built houses that were larger in square footage than it turned out we ended up needing. And that's why the demand for, for housing and pr housing prices fell. So there are currently a large number of houses that are vacant nationwide, and there's an overhang of houses that are coming through the foreclosure pipeline that are also going to put downward pressure on housing. So home prices have stopped falling. So it looks as if the housing market has stabilized since the middle of last year. So I think a lot of, a lot of commentators aren't expecting that much uh, by way of a contribution to growth from the housing market, and that's a, 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 a view I subscribe to as well. In addition, the recession caused a sharp fall in the demand for commercial real estate, um, and that's resulted in elevated vacancy rates in everything from retail stores and warehouses to offices and manufacturing facilities. Non-residential construction spending outside of houses and apartment buildings has fallen 15% over the last seven quarters, and leading indicators for this sector, like architectural billings and vacancy rates, suggest that non-residential construction will continue to be very soft for an extended period. The most visible, though, and painful fallout from the recession, however, is seen in the labor market, uh, where we lost 7.3 million jobs as a nation during the recession. Then in the last half of 2009, so remember the recession ended in the middle of last year, in the last set, half of 
2009, while overall economic activity and GDP and manufacturing production were increasing, we lost an additional 1.1 million jobs. Now that's raised the prospect in many analysts' mind of another jobless recovery, such as the one that followed the 2001 uh, recession, when employment fell for a 21-month period after the official end of the recession. This time, though, we're already seeing uh, evidence that employment is on a path to steady growth. Payrolls have expanded by 573,000 jobs in the first four months of this year. And that pick up in the pickup in demand that's already underway is likely to keep employment uh, on an upward trajectory as we move forward for the country as a whole. It'll take some time, however, before we make substantial progress in reducing the ranks of the unemployed. The loss of over 8 million jobs over the course of the last two years has caused unemployment to surge from 4.4% of the labor force in 2007 to 10.1% uh, when the unemployment rate peaked in, in October of last year. Now, the most recent reading is somewhat lower, 9.9%, um, but it's, that's still elevated relative to history, and it's an indication of just how much ground remains to be covered uh, in the labor market. Keep in mind that as the labor market strengthens, uh, as job growth picks up, more people begin to actively look for work who were formerly not looking for work very actively. And that adds to the number of people who are currently counted as unemployed. Indeed, that happened um, big time in April. Despite strong growth uh, in jobs in April, 635,000 people entered the labor force were formerly out of the labor force, didn't have a job, weren't looking for work, entered the labor force. Uh, and the unemployment rate rose two-tenths of a percent in April uh, as a result. So sometimes when job growth picks up, it can draw people who are sitting on the sidelines back into the labor force to look for work. And sometimes that can keep un the unemployment rate high even as employment growth is rising. And that that illustrates a, you know, a common phenomenon in business cycles. And for me, it suggests the month-to-month -month movements in the unemployment rate can be misleading at this time in a business cycle. And as a result, I think employment growth is, is the thing that, that's going to provide a better read on labor market trends going forward. And there, as I've said, uh, the recent news has been encouraging. So let me turn to North Carolina uh, and uh, the region. This recession took an even greater toll on North Carolina's workforce, proportionally speaking. So total employment in the nation uh, declined by a little more than 6% since the beginning of 2008. The, there were roughly 300,000 jobs lost in North Carolina, and that amounted to more than 7% of North Carolina's workforce. And the, the job loss rate was even greater in the Piedmont Triad region. The state saw a commensurately sharper increase in the unemployment rate after matching the national rate of unemployment of 4.4%, the low at, in, in the last expansion uh, before the recession hit, uh, North Carolina's unemployment rate jumped to 11.2% during the worst of the recession, and it exceeded the national rate by more than one full percentage point. In the triad region, unemployment touched 11.4% at the end of last year, although it's just declined slightly uh, since then, as of March, the latest data for which we have this disaggregated unemployment figures. So several factors have accounted for the more pronounced downturn in this region compared to the nation as a whole. One of the most noteworthy, uh, probably not uh, a, 
news to, to those of you in this room uh, is that the industry structure was particularly vulnerable to a collapse in the global demand for manufactured goods. Despite the recent successes you've had in diversifying the economic base around here, North Carolina is still more heavily concentrated in manufacturing industries than the rest of the nation. While manufacturing accounts for a little less than 9% of total employment in the U.S., it accounts for more than 11% in the state and more than 14% in the triad region. This global downturn uh, in late 2008 uh, was particularly unkind to the triad region. The region's undergone a broad secular decline in manufacturing, uh, much less the, much like the, the American Midwest, uh, the North Central states experienced during the late 70s and early 80s. Just prior to the recent downturn, it appeared that the Triad had put most of the decline behind it and was beginning to recover. Now to be sure, the cyclical upturn uh, in, in global economic activity that followed the 2001 recession appeared to provide some help. Yet at the same time, there were these regional initiatives aimed at broadening the structure of your uh, regional economy, and they, they seem to be bearing fruit before this recession. Indeed, although employment was slow to rally after the 2001 recession here, as nationwide, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there was a steady gain in jobs that, that was achieved during early 2004, leading, uh, lasting almost until the onset of the recession in 2007. So economic downturns can interrupt, though, even the best laid uh, plans, particularly a contraction severe than the one we've experienced. So the history of this FedEx hub at uh, the Piedmont Triad International Airport, I think, is a good symbol. You know, that, that narrative is a good symbol of the region's frustrations. The FedEx, uh, if you'll pardon the expression, a high-flying co company, experienced strong growth in shipments here and abroad as a result of the robust expansion in economic trade um, in the early part of this decade. Uh, its decision to locate um, an Atlantic cargo hub at PTI was welcome news for regional planners, uh, given their focus on transportation and logistics, as the dean was commenting on. Uh, but just as the, the facility was ramping up, just as it was getting going, uh, global trade collapsed, freight dro volume dropped precipitously, uh, and shipments just didn't materialize to the extent they were projected to. Now, despite this understandable disappointment, uh, I think the development of a transportation logistics cl cluster should be viewed as a plan deferred, not a plan denied. Uh, something where you're experiencing some delays, but you're still on course. Economic growth, as I said, is turning up, uh, and that's begun to boost manufacturing output and freight shipments across the globe. Uh, for example, PTI uh, reported that FedEx shipments in March of 2010 were nearly 42% ahead of uh, a year earlier, uh, the year earlier figure. So strong growth in shipments, admittedly from a low base, uh, but signs that that expansion is indeed helping, uh, helping to bring to fruition this, this transportation logistics um, strategy. More broadly, consumer spending and business investment are driving a recovery in U.S. economic activity, and that's expanded uh, over time since mid last year to include more industries, more regions, and more workers. Despite the remaining weak patches that I cited on commercial construction and housing, labor markets are stabilizing nationwide, and we've even begun to see a measure of job growth here in North Carolina and the triad region. While unemployment rates are still quite elevated in the state in this region, the 
worst of the deterioration seems to be behind us now, and I think we can look forward to continuing expansion. The presence of FedEx, as I mentioned, the expansion of the airport give the region a, a competitive advantage, and it's likely to pay dividends as the recovery solidifies and progresses. This cyclical upturn in economic activity is likely to provide some relief to the triad region as you work through some longer-term structural issues uh, that are really the fundamental challenges here. The decline of traditional manufacturing industries here, uh, both in the triad and North Carolina more broadly, represent a part of a continuing shift away from labor-intensive manufacturing activities. Global competitors can often underprice U.S. firms on goods made using lower skilled workers. New capital equipment tends to be labor-saving. Um, enables manufacturers that do remain in the United States to produce more output with less by way of labor inputs than in the past. In addition, there are these new advanced manufacturing technologies that are coming along, and they often require workers with different skills than were required in old line manufacturing operations. As a result, many of the displaced workers from declining industries around here are a mismatch for the higher skills required in new production environments. We often hear people say that some jobs are gone and will never come back. Well, I think another way to put it is that the old jobs got traded in for new jobs with higher skill requirements. Economists have a word for this, a phrase for this. It's called skill-biased technological change. And there's no guarantee, there's no rule of, or law of nature that new technology enhances the productivity of one class of workers over another, but what seems to have happened is that the technology we've gotten, the technological growth we've gotten since the 70s has, has enhanced the productivity of skilled workers more than it's enhanced the productivity of unskilled workers. So the technological change we've experienced, chiefly due to the computer revolution, digital technology, has been biased towards increasing the productivity of skilled workers. That's led to a, an increase in demand for skilled workers broadly. Just as an aside, it looks as if that's been a major contributor to the widely noted uh, increase in dispersion of incomes in our country over the last four or five decades. The fact that uh, middle and upper income workers' real incomes have grown more rapidly than lower income workers' inco incomes have grown over the last uh, four decades. Um, in essence, you have a race. Productivity is raising the demand for more skilled workers, and we have institutions and we have investments we make that increase that are designed to increase the supply of higher skilled workers, schools, training, and the like. In essence, we've been losing the race. We haven't been able to supply as many higher skilled workers over time, or haven't been able to supply them at as rapid a pace, pace of technology uh, that, that, get, that increases the demand for those workers. So a very important feature of economic growth over the last several decades seems likely to continue. So this heavy, this steady shift toward higher skill requirements for our workforce, it suggests a critical role, as I've alluded to, for education and training. I think some of the most promising news in the triad area that I'm aware of is on the education front. The founding of this joint school for nanoscience and nanoengineering. 
and the establishment of the National Science Foundation Engineering Research Center uh, here. Uh, I, both, I think both further enhance the area's rich educational environment. In addition to the obvious benefits of a better educated workforce, these new endeavors have the potential uh, to more rapidly translate research and development efforts into new job-creating enterprises for the region. I should emphasize that the steady demand for upgraded skills extends beyond the scientists and engineers that you think of and that our four-year colleges and universities are good at, at uh, supplying. We're also going to need technically adept production workers with the knowledge and ability to manage sophisticated production equipment and the analytical problem-solving ability to continually improve the quality and efficiency of operations, to be able to adjust complicated machinery, adapt to changes in the performance of that machinery, rather than just perform rote operations on furniture and move them down uh, the assembly line. <coughs> Community colleges play a key role in training such workers, including through programs that are tailored to specific employers. A critical measure of success for any region, I think, um, that's undergoing this skill-biased transformation is the extent to which workers displaced from old-line manufacturing operations are retrained and attain higher skill levels needed for employment in the newer production environments. Fortunately, North Carolina has a strong educational system that supports much more than just the traditional four-year college degrees. Educators in the triad, for example, have leveraged high school and community and technical colleges to augment traditional four-year programs in support of the region's emerging aerospace cluster. These types of initi initiatives, I think, are going to be vital uh, to creating and maintaining a skilled workforce that, that's going to continue to attract growing companies uh, like HondaJet, Cessna, Comair uh, that have come to the region. So you might wonder, might be a topic of discussion later this morning, uh, what state and local governments could do, uh, state and local leaders more broadly, I should say, to help this skill bias transition take place. Now, economists who've looked at the question um, suggest that spending to improve the quality of human capital, broadly speaking, can yield very high pre, uh, returns. And those returns come back in the form of greater employability and higher wages over a worker's lifetime. So there's an array of human capital strategies to choose from, and I'm not going to enumerate all of them, um, but just note that they range from, at one end, uh, investment in early childhood education that has benefits that are very, very long-term, uh, to customized job training programs that match an employer's needs. And those show much more immediate results, I think. As always, um, and I'll put in a plug here for research, having been a research economist, as always, well-grounded research is essential to improving a, a program effectiveness over time. Do you know the program you're that you're conducting is yielding results? Do you know there are not opportunities to improve what you're doing? Well-grounded research designed in from the beginning of the program uh, can help, help you uncover those uh, more rapidly. Um, it's undeniable, though, as the dean alluded to, that the mo this um, severe economic downturn has resulted in slashing of uh, state and local government revenues. At the very time the need for those, those revenues was rising, at the very time the demands for outlays uh, were rising, and that's left budgets very severely strained. 
Economic downturns, though, are unlikely to reduce the expected returns on human capital investments. So I think it's important at times like this to keep long-run priorities uh, clearly in sight. So let me summarize a bit and then say one more uh, kind of tangential word that I have to say. Uh, my summary is that U.S. consumer spending and business investment in equipment and software are driving this recovery. It's gradually picking up steam. Housing and commercial construction are likely to lag behind that a bit um, or perhaps be flat for a couple of years. While the, triad, uh, per, the Piedmont Triad region was hit harder than many other parts of the country due to a concentration in manufacturing and exports, Efforts to attract transportation, logistics activity seem to be bearing fruit. And I expect the economics, the region's economic recovery uh, to track the national recovery with perhaps a bit of a lag, uh, perhaps a, a bit of a lag. More broadly, uh, the longer term challenge for the region is to keep up with the continually rising demand for higher skilled workers. And here, I think the outlook's more promising due to the recent higher education initiatives and the generally strong uh, state educational system. So my, my final remark um, is something, um, is, is sort of a occupational necessity for me, an occupational mandate. Uh, no address by a central bank official would be complete without mention of inflation. Fortunately, I can be brief because inflation, as best we measure it, is doing fine. It's running between 1 and 2 percent. It has been since early last year. Um, it is true that some, for some recent months, uh, inflation readings have come in below that range. Uh, but I, I think uh, inflation is unlikely to stay as low as the, the readings we've seen over the last couple of months. In fact, uh, the best readings we have of investor and public expectations uh, for inflation show that they expect higher inflation in the future than we're seeing right now. And that suggests policymakers are going to be really are going to need to be really careful in this recovery to avoid waiting too long to raise interest rates. So that concludes my obligatory central banker mention of monetary policy inflation. Happy to answer questions on that. Uh, in the Q&A. Um, and that concludes my remarks. I thank you very much for your attention.